This is a special best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Today we're celebrating high impact women in sports. Today's program will feature interviews with Olympic skeleton racer Katie Ulander, Olympic basketball gold medalist Lisa Leslie, national anthem performer Janine Stange, and SEC college football reporter Rachel Baraboo. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Over the next hour, you'll hear what's going on in the sports world from a Christian's perspective. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel III. My guest coming in is a good friend of the show. Uh, she is a, a U.S. champion skeleton. That's right, skeleton driver. And she was in the Winter Olympics in Sochi where she missed third place for the bronze medal by about two gazillionth of a second. And she's training in uh, Texas, and she's coming in with us. Uh, always fun to have her on the show. Katie Ulander. Katie, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm fired up. I'm excited to hear from you. You doing all right? Yeah, I've been busy as heck, but I'm doing good. Okay, so the last time I talked to you, you were going to see and uh, honor your father in Texas, correct? At a at a at an event that he was being honored at at his uh, old alma mater, correct? Yes, sir. I went to go see him inducted to the Hall of Fame at Baylor University, along with Jeremy Warner and a few other outstanding athletes. Um, Jeremy just sticks out in my mind because he also trained with uh, Lauren Williams, who won a medal in Sochi and has won multiple in the Summer Olympics. And uh, it was a great moment to see him next to such great and inspiring people being inducted to the Hall of Fame. And, uh, of course, if you don't know it, um, Katie is the daughter of uh, Ted Ulander, and Ted was a great second baseman for the Twins and went on to manage as well. It was just uh, I grew up when I was about nine years old. I had his card because I was a big Minnesota Twins fan, one of the few in L.A., and uh, loved those uh, Twins uniforms that they had. So Rod Carew and uh, uh, Allison uh, Killebrew is one of my favorite players. So um, your dad was uh, a lot of fun to watch. But I know he also was your coach, too. So it had to be a lot of fun to go to Texas and see him honored like that. And uh, what? So what did we get for that? What did you receive on his behalf for that? Uh, I actually didn't receive anything. I just was there to witness it and, uh, I don't know, be supportive. I think my big brother may have uh, taken whatever was given. I was just, I was honestly just fresh out of surgery, ankle surgery. I had another one. Um, and, yeah, I, I was, like, just doing the best that I could. So I ended up taking the season off due to the ankle surgery I had. Um, I had hip labral replacement surgery, and then four months later, ankle surgery. Um, and I'm honestly just now getting back to being healthy. Uh, I feel like I kind of went on a retire- like temporary retirement for like the last year and a half. I skipped the season. I got a full-time job at the Carrick Brain Centers. Um, but I've kind of established a home here in Dallas, uh, found a place to train with the uh, Adaptive Training Foundation and the Performance Vault here in Dallas, which is part of Trident. Um security they help veterans that have you know are now have a disability adapt to life and training and it's been amazing to come here and start working out again and and be around other people that don't want to quit and they don't see it as doing rehab but they see it as like making a lifestyle choice and and making a decision not to quit so you know there's a quad a quad amputee next to me doing a sled to 100 pounds and i look at my bike having to do bike sprints because I can't run. And I'm like, okay, I'm not that tired. Things aren't that bad. <laughs> you know, Katie, you later with like, us. Look at, this, look at this Olympian over here training. And 
there's the NFL guys in there, and then the Carrick Brain Center is just a phenomenal place with helping um, vets and their TBIs, and also, you know, me recovering from the concussion I had at the Olympics. So, I mean, the next step for me is to start running again, and um, I'm going to be doing cycling a little bit. I might be doing nationals in L.A. in August for track cycling, and then on to the World Cup for skeleton, I hope. I still have to try out for the team, um, but I have high hopes for the season. Katie, you're such an all-around athlete. I mean, last time I talked to you, you were you were you were powerlifting and doing stuff like that. And now you're talking about cycling. I mean, you got you you have a lot of ability. But I, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, you, ankle injury and and hip injury um, in your sport and skeleton. You know, the push off and the start is so absolutely critical. How hard has it been on the rehab on this? And and where do you see yourself being in terms of the World Championships this next year? I mean, I really don't want to think about it. The one thing that I've learned and the advice I've gotten from Dan Jansen is take it one day at a time. And I don't want to overwhelm myself because yeah. I'm, I'm not anywhere near where I'd like to be physique-wise. Uh, I'm just now getting healthy to where I can start training and stop doing rehab. I'm no longer training around injuries and um, and having to take you know plan B. I'm actually on plan A now, and I have the right support. So... You know, with Carrick Brain Centers and the Adaptive Training Program, um, I'm set. So I'm, like, as far as, like, motivation and and having the tools I need to get there, uh, I'm just going to focus on each day and just being the best person and athlete I can be. And I think the results at World Championships or making teams are going to speak for themselves. Like, it, they'll happen as a byproduct. Katie Ulander you know, uh, is with us, uh, winner Olympics and a skeleton driver. has been a U.S. champion, and she's a veteran. Uh, Katie, one of the things I was thinking about, um, you know, as a football player and as a, you know, every, as a every sport athlete like I was in, in high school, you know, when you have a disappointment or you have a setback or whether it's an injury or maybe a loss that's really bitter, um, you know that you're going to be back the next year to compete and you're going to go for it again. The thing that's challenging for me mentally is just thinking about how do you guys do that where you put it all on the line, uh, for four years, you train uh, all the arduous training, uh, the fundraising, all the things that come along with being a, an Olympic athlete, and then you go let it all hang out like you did in Sochi, and you come up just short. Um, but it's not like you sit there and go, "Well, now I got next week or, or or next semester or next year." How hard of an adjustment mentally is that as an Olympic athlete? You know, to know that hey, you know, four more years. Uh, well, the easiest way to help civilians, and not that I'm not a civilian, but I feel like all of you out there have a very small glimpse of what it's like to be an Olympian. So the best way for me to explain that is, let's say you were married and it was an amazing relationship, but for reasons that no one could help, you had to have a divorce. And you still love that person and, you know, you you want to be with them, but it just doesn't work for you guys. That's what it feels like to come in fourth at the Olympics. <laughs> and then it's like someone walking up to you and going, hey, you know, do you do you want to go on a date or do you want to be my girlfriend? And you just had a you know had a divorce, and it's kind of like I'm just I'm just not ready to commit. So to sit there and think like I have four years to potentially lose by four hundredths of a second again, yeah. it's just like it leaves a, a like an emptiness feeling in your stomach for a minute. You you appreciate every experience um, and the rush of racing and just being able to represent your country, but. There's just that one thing that you're like, man, it's just I wish it had worked out the way that I had imagined it to because I worked so hard and have put everything I have into it and sacrificed so much 
of like having a real life to to represent my country that um to, for it to end like that it's kind of bittersweet because it's amazing at the same time but you're just like oh i had to get a divorce <laughs> <laughs> katie ulanders our guest u.s olympic uh Skeleton driver, and uh, you know what have you been doing? You, I mean, you, like you said, you got a full time job. Um, I know also that you love working with young people. Um, tell me the thing that gives you the most joy uh, off the track in terms of some of the things that you like to do. Honestly, it's the same thing that gives me joy at, on the track. It's um, you know when I have kids come up to me and tell me I'm an inspiration. Um, it just motivates me even more to to be the best I can be at whatever I'm doing to inspire anyone around me. Um, because when you like being at the um, adaptive training uh, foundation, training there with those athletes and um, and vet- veterans, seeing those people inspires me, and seeing them inspires them. Or you know what I mean? It's like iron sh- sharpens iron. So I guess I'm just trying to walk in the light of God and be the best person I can be, utilizing my talents, and that makes me happy. I guess that's that's. That's my answer. <laughs> so who would be so who would be the athlete when you were growing up besides your dad? I know your dad was a was a big inspiration, but who were some other athletes that kind of did the same thing for you when you were growing up that fired you up? Um, I would say Peekaboo Street for sure. The downhill. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, the her tenacity, her fire, and her drive. Uh, no one could get in the way of that. Um, try, I mean, obviously, from the movies, I loved Rocky. <laughs> yeah, well, Rocky, you, that's a perfect story for you. I mean, mm-hmm. he came back from so many obstacles, and he and he was so perseverant, and he, and nobody thought he was going to come back, and he could, could do it. I love the Rocky story. I love that whole, you know, uh, and it was a love story, too, which was cool. So uh, that was one of my favorite movies growing up as well. And, um, you know, role models are so important for kids today. And the fact that you're able to be one of those, and, and, you know, I always tell people you don't have to be a gold medalist, you don't have to be a world champion, you've been a world champion, but it, you don't have to be somebody famous to be a role model, right? That's 100% true. I feel that everyone has a certain responsibility to be the best person they can be. And the thing that I'm, I'm finding is that it's not about uh, the results of the glory or your status as a person. You know, you don't have to be famous. But if you focus on utilizing the talents God gave you, you're automatically an inspiration to those around you for having the courage to do that, on top of the fact that that is truly what will give you motivation every day to get up and do you. Because it's just about utilizing those talents without having any monetary value or results tied to what that is. Katie, you land with us. And Katie, tell me, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, how... What's the weirdest thing, about a minute left, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you as an Olympic athlete? Weirdest thing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, because I've been an Olympian for so long, it's pretty much what's the weirdest thing that's happened. Uh, something being recognized something. when I got back from Sochi everywhere I went, I wasn't sure if someone was playing a trick on me or not. Uh <laughs> And that was short-lived for sure, but I was just kind of like, what? <laughs> I, I know, it's, I didn't it is, know if people were just messing with me or not. You know, what, you, know it's, you know what people forget, though, is that you have had a long, long career. I mean, you're young, but, but, but for you know, an Olympic athlete. So, so if, you had your, if you had your best case scenario about 
like I said, about 30 seconds left. Would this be your last Olympics if you were able to win? Korea? Yeah. Korea will be my last, yeah. Okay, so this is it. Mm-hmm. So you're, so you're fired up, you're putting it all in, and you're saying, hey, I'm going to give everything I have. This Korea is, the, is my, my point, my goal, and whatever happens, happens. Yes, sir. Wow. So you're fired up. That's great. But I tell you what, uh, with your rehab and stuff, having that kind of goal has to, you know, give you inspiration in terms of helping you get up on those tough days to train, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's not about results or glory right now. It's just about getting back to the basics and the foundation and using the talent God gave me. Katie, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you coming in. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. You have a great day. You too. You're listening to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with four-time U.S. Olympic basketball gold medalist Lisa Leslie. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports. Or follow Roman on Twitter, at SoldOut41. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. You can find us on 200 stations across the country. Faith, family, and sports right here on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR. I'm, this is the most excited I've been in five days. I've oh, seen no. enough football players. Uh, Lisa, you got a great story. Lisa Leslie, WNBA, Olympics, uh, has so many great things going on in her life and a family person, just the kind of person we love on American Family Radio. Lisa, congratulations on everything. Welcome, welcome to AFR. Thank you so much. I love the title itself, Family Faith. I'm all about it. Oh, you so know what? Great. I have I have been uh, that on this station for a long time, and they are all about that: protecting family, uh, promoting faith, and promoting people who go out and make a difference in other people's lives. And you're one of those people. First of all, what are you doing at the Super Bowl? Talk about. It. Yes, I'm here on behalf of American Federation for Children, and what we're doing is it's School Choice Week, is National School Choice Week, and we really want to bring awareness to a lot of parents to understand that uh, kids should have a choice in their schools. The government doesn't choose, you know, what church we go to and what grocery stores we go to or church. So why should they choose what school we go to? And right now, most states are set up under a system where children attend schools in their zip codes. But some of those schools may not be the best schools in their area. Maybe they're underserved or they're underperforming. Obviously, we would love to fix our schools, but I, I can't do everything. So right now, I'm just trying to get the right. parents to step up and do their part and really seek out school choice. Maybe some kids do well in public schools or private schools, or maybe they do well homeschool. And parents should have that option. Well, I'm excited about what you're doing because I'm committed with our program. Uh, We've got a foundation called Sold Out Youth Ministries. And our program, we go into schools, and because uh, of lack of funding, which seems to be a big problem in our schools today, we go in and we provide a program for alcohol abstinence, character training, and then a follow-up Internet program. Yes. So junior high and high school kids, that generation uh, desperately needs that. Um, yes. And of course, physical education is being diminished, diet diminished. These kids are overweight, they're sedentary, they're not getting the exercise, so the test scores aren't up because they're not physically fit right. and they're mentally sharp. Not fueled correctly. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Talk, well, you're, you're somebody who spent your whole life taking care of yourself, yes. obviously, in the WNBA, the pounding that you go through, the, the Olympics. Uh, 
talk to our young people out there about why why it's so important to take care of yourself physically. Well, I always say you only get one body, so you should really take care of it. And I think of it really as simple as like gas. Kids don't buy gas, so maybe that's not a good analogy. But what you put into your body, you get out and how you fuel it. And when you put bad food in it, you spike high and then you're low and you can't perform. And you can't perform in the classroom and you can't perform, you know, on the field or on the court. So I think it's really important for kids to really get that information early uh, in terms of how important eating healthy is, even if it's fruit and vegetables. And if you can really use fruit as your source of sugar, a great choice already. And vegetables are so important. And I know a lot of kids don't necessarily like vegetables, but parents have to try to find things that are green that they do. Mm -hmm. And if not, proteins or finding some way to juice it. But it's important. A lot of our kids are really mal. They they really are malnutrition. You know what I mean? It's big. Processed food is big time fast. And they can't really function well. But I think, um, you know, there's so many aspects to getting our children to perform. Uh, but the number one place I like to start is with the parents because parenting is everything. And now that I'm a mom, I really became even more passionate about this, uh, this topic in terms of school choice because once I did the research for schools in our area, they were all underperforming. And I've been really blessed enough to, you know, for my husband and I to pick up and we moved. We moved to the best school district for mm-hmm. our children. But I thought about what about all those children that we left behind whose parents can't necessarily afford to do that. And, and that's why I really became a part of this whole push for education and the importance of us. We hear this cliche all the time about how, you know, our kids are our future. But we do not a whole lot as a nation to really support our educational system and to ensure that our children are getting the best education possible. Lisa Leslie (laughs) with us here, WNBA star Olympics. Um, A lot of kids out there today, when I go into schools, I hear a lot about kids that just don't feel like they have a hope for a great future. Mm -hmm. A lot of doubt in our country today, and it's really manifests itself in our young people. A lot of young people I see scared for the first time. You and I grew up, that was never a problem. I don't think I was ever scared about anything. But kids tell you today uh, that that's a real problem. Uh, What do you tell young people today who say, you know what, my background, my color, my economics, a mistake I've made disqualifies me for having success and reaching my dreams? I always tell kids especially, you know, 10% of everything we go into life is it's the problem. Like you said, all those circumstances, whether you come from a single parent household or if you, you know, don't have as much money as, as the next person, that part of it is just 10%. The other 90% is how you process it mentally. And this is where mental toughness is very important, just like we do in sports. You have to get after it. Life is not easy. It's a hustle. And if whatever you want to be, you can be, but there's no secret to success. There's no easy one, two, three steps other than hard work. I This is the one thing that I did, I think, that really separated me from a lot of other people from my community, and it was writing down goals. I wrote down my short-term goals, which were goals I wanted to achieve within one year, and then I would write down my long-term goals, which were goals I, I wanted to achieve within five years. And by seeing these goals every day on my mirror or my refrigerator, it constantly reminded me to sacrifice having fun and hanging out, playing video games, to do the things that I needed to do, whether it was studying my homework or, you know, simply going to the gym to work out to get better. That's awesome. I tell you, that's some great advice. You know, one of the things that we try to do is bring positive role models into the schools because a lot of people think that, you know, they're afraid for their kids to have positive role models. I mean, obviously we want it to be our parents, but those that have single parents or grandmother raising them or maybe they don't have parents at all, yes. you know, what do we do? And a lot, of, a lot of these parents, you know, rather than put those people in front and 
knowing that nobody's perfect, trusting some people they can trust to say this is an example. Because both of us grew up, you know, you had coaches, you had youth yeah. pastors, you had other parents, you had people in your life that modeled what you're talking about. But today, a lot of these kids don't understand these principles because they're not hearing them. Well, I think it's really important for kids to seek out mentors. I am a big advocate to find a mentor, someone who's positive in your community. If it's not a parent, if it's not an aunt or an uncle, maybe you can find, you know, a teacher who that you admire or look up to or someone ministering in the church or you just never know. But there is somebody that has a shining light in your community. They may not be financially, you know, rich or any of that, but they may be rich in spirit and rich in wisdom and information. And I think that was the key for me. I always loved talking to adults and just finding out information because you have to be a seeker and really willing to learn. I think really to, to, to learn and pull from a lot of people to really create who you want to be. In. And that was one of the things that I did as a kid. Lisa, faith, family, and sports. It seems to me that athletes like yourself who follow that seem to have a foundation and they seem to have their life in order. Why is that? Uh, well, like you said, having faith, I was always a prayerful kid, always writing out my goals and, you know, putting it in the Lord's name. And I think that was really one of the things that helped me. No matter what, I always wanted to fulfill his purpose and sort of follow that path of, you know, there's times where you fall short, but you get back up and you try again. And I think that's really been the saving grace for me. And then beyond that, having faith. I, I mean, when you talk about faith, you just got to step out on it. Why Why not? There, there's, I mean, I, I always say at the end of the day, if we were all wrong about having faith in the Lord, then we were wrong. But guess what? If there's a possibility that everything that we believe is true, then it was great to have faith and step out on it and be a believer. So Lisa, Lisa I, Leslie, I love it. <laughs> WNBA, Olympics, American Federation of Children, Education Choice Now. Okay, so people who are interested, especially our parents who listen to this network, who are very concerned about what you're talking about because yes. they're facing this problem, where do they go to get information? Yes, they can log on to federationforchildren.org to find out more information. Okay, federationforchildren.org. Final question before I let you go. Here's, here's something I've always thought about. You really had to overcome some different things, adversity in your basketball career to get to where you wanted to go. Why is being able to handle adversity so important to young people today? I think sports is really a great correlation with life. The same adversity that you handle playing in sports, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's not fun, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes you lose, sometimes there's a blood, sweat, and tears that's involved. But it's just like life. When you deal with adversity, you're more likely uh, to overcome it in life because you've already experienced it and had enough practice with it in sports. And I just think overall it just makes you a stronger person. What do they say? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yes. Lisa, thank you very much for coming to American Family Radio. So appreciate you. Uh, get it. American Federation for Children, an educational choice now website again. Federationforchildren.org. Federationforchildren.org. Parents, take a look at it. Thanks for coming in, thank Leslie. You. Appreciate it. Welcome back to a best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. We're celebrating high-impact women in sports. In this segment, Roman talks with national anthem performer Janine Stange. Visit FSPN.net for faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. Or follow Roman on Twitter at SoldOut41. Back on SoldOut Sports Talk on American Family Radio. 
Happy July 4th weekend to you. Looking forward to Monday's holiday. Hope you and your family are enjoying and having a great weekend. And, um, you know, I love this show because we bring so many different people in about faith, family, and sports. And this is no different. Probably one of the most important factors about any sporting event is you started out with the national anthem. And um, this young lady, uh, I follow her on her Twitter page, and uh, we've, we've told you, at the anthem girl. Janine Stang is somebody who has uh, sung the national anthem. She knows how to sing it. She's done it in all 50 states in one year where she traveled around the country on her own dime for the most part. She's an incredible supporter of our troops, which uh, means a lot to me, uh, and also does a wonderful school program. But uh, she's got a lot going on, so uh, she just did an event in Maryland. Uh, so Janine is here with us. Let's uh, talk some national anthem. Janine, how are you? How are you, Roman? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm fabulous. I tell you, we're really excited. Of course, everybody getting ready for a great uh, weekend this weekend. Of course, July 4th on Monday, there'll be a lot of celebrations. And uh, we also know, uh, as a former professional football player, we were talking about it in the last segment, um, you know, one of the most special times, you know, you prepare all week for a football game or any time of sport is that few moments during the national anthem where you really bring your thoughts together. You're really thankful for everything that you have and the opportunity to play. And um, I just like to know from your end, how did how did you get get into this in terms of singing the national anthem in all these places? I mean, ballparks, military, uh, street corners. Tell me about where you got that passion and uh, how this came about. I think I have to credit my mom uh, for it. Uh, back when I was younger, uh, she was an example, not just somebody who told me you should respect our military and those who serve and our first responders. She showed it to me. Um, when I was a kid, we had a bagel shop, and I worked as an 11-year-old kid, and I worked with them, and I always watched my mom make them feel like a million bucks. When somebody came in that she knew was serving or even a family member of somebody who had somebody who was deployed, she cared about them. And I, I don't have anybody in my family immediately except now a, a cousin who's actually uh, just became a Marine, but I didn't have anybody growing up that was like, oh, so-and-so, you know, uh, was in the war, and this is what happened. I didn't have those uh, very close to proximity stories, but what I did see is that uh, my family represented a, a large percentage of, of Americans who don't have somebody in the military but 100% support them. So through the years, I watched her uh, show me by her actions, and then I just felt like uh, I loved singing. I always performed, and I, I felt like Singing the national anthem was what I could do as my contribution um, to uh, my gratitude for our freedom. And I always purposed to sing it with all my heart. And uh, through the years, I learned you sing it the way it's supposed to be sung. It's not about you. It's about our country. It's about giving people a moment. For 90 seconds, I say this a lot. I said this on the Today Show and whatnot. 90 seconds, no matter who you voted for, no matter what team you want to win when you're sitting there in the stands, or standing in the stands at that point, we are one. And there's power in that moment. We are one nation. And as long as we're agreeing on one thing, there's there's still hope. And there's um, that's what I feel about it. So it started me on saying, you know what, this is an important platform. This is something that could um, help people to have a dialogue that might not have otherwise existed about patriotism, about the importance of our anthem. Uh, and, it, and it was... You know, it was a journey that I'll never, I mean, I'm still, it's changed my life, really. 
Janine Stang is with us, uh, nationalanthemgirl.org, for more information about what she's up there doing. Uh, also, if you follow on Twitter, at uh, the Anthem Girl. Um, Janine, this is not an easy song to sing. In fact, there are a lot of very accomplished singers out there that are uncomfortable singing the national anthem because it, it, it does take practice and a lot of work. So tell me about that and about uh, just how it has come about in your life and, and how you've improved, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, it was all about, I, I hadn't really understood the weight of that song and the privilege it is to sing that song. And I was just like, oh, I want to show everybody how well I can sing. But I stripped that away as I started to meet people. This is, uh, you know, through the years of, of meeting people who had seen the reality of, you know, the, the phrase, freedom is not free. They lived the meaning of the national anthem. And I just said, you know what? Uh, there are other songs that I could kind of go vocal acrobats and all that on, but this one has got to be true to form. And I think uh, if you sing it the way it's supposed to be sung, and um, some people, I think, make the mistake, I've done it a million times when I was younger, like, well, let me just start out high. (laughs) You find yourself in in a backed up in a corner. But if you start out correctly, and you also, I do this every time. First, I pray before I sing, but I also... Try to, and it's very easy actually. You find somebody in the crowd that is served, and you focus on them, oh, and wow. you kind of just like look at what they're doing. And if they're always standing at attention, they always have they're they're saluting, and you just wonder what's going through their mind. You know, there was a price that they paid to be able to salute while the anthem was being. You know, I've always wondered, Janine. Uh, you know, as a football player and playing a lot of sports mm-hmm. and coaching, you know, it's very emotional for athletes that moment. Um, especially yeah. during the national anthem and in and a, and a prayer before the game, before you go out anyways. Um, but tell me from your end, um, especially w- with the fact you've described to me why you sing it and how important it is, um, how tough is it not to get emotional when you're in a crowd of 60,000 at a game or on an air fort, you know, at a base yeah. in front of all these guys? How, how tough is it to focus and stay off the emotion for yourself? It's tough. I, I sang, I'll never forget, there were two very uh, emotional times for me. One was when um, I sang on the floor of an exchange, and this was only yards away from ground zero. And um, I was singing at a company who had lost a lot of people in the attacks. And um, I, it wasn't a big event. I was singing in literally like in a stairwell because we had to move off the floor. And there were men, grown men, like yourself, football player looking guys and they um were as soon as i started like the first word coming out of my mouth they broke down and and cried and i just remember telling myself like focus because this song has to go through to completion you're not stopping you're you have to give them this moment and um what i really do feel is that it it is a song that can provide healing it is a song that you know it's important to kind of sit there and say let me reflect on this. And, and it's not bad for, for these men to, to cry and go through that emotion. I think it's, it's a good, it's a healing process for them. So it is tough. I've had, I've sung in the presence of Medal of Honor recipients. I've sung uh, for Gold Star families. I sang at Section 60 in Arlington Cemetery, and I was a mess before I had to, you know, move into the front to sing. I was watching, again, grown men cry. There's a Gold Star families for those who don't know their somebody who has lost their families who have lost a loved one in action. 
the battle and uh, just to see the, the gravestones where you see somebody born after you and dies before you, it's unfathomable. And I had tears literally shooting out of my eyes. And then wow. I just said, okay, you know, got to go, got to, got to do this. And, um, you know, it's, it's what I see. I don't, I don't take it lightly. It's a privilege to do that. And, uh, I don't mess around. Janine Stang is with us. Uh, so you can go to, uh, her Twitter page at the Anthem girl or website at nationalanthemgirl.org and check out everything that she's done is absolutely amazing. You know, real quick answers. Cause I, I want I know people have questions and I know I do. I've thought about this. Sure. Um, Strangest place you've ever done the anthem? From the center of the universe in Wallace, Idaho. You could look it up. <laughs> the center of the universe, Wallace, Idaho. Okay. Um, yep. Most interesting experience um, after or before? Hmm. I think one time when I walked up uh, out of the bleachers and somebody said, it ducked out into the aisles and said, thank you for not making it sound like an American Idol tryout. I appreciate you singing it the way it's supposed to be sung. I think that was very pivotal for me to hear somebody say that. Number of people that you've met through the 50 states of doing it? No. Well, I say I have a friend in every state, and I really do. So I think I've met a personally, con you know, like hand-to-hand -hand hello type of things, uh, thousands, thousands. Uh, I've had a table at every stop where people could sign thank you notes, so I met a lot of people in the audience. Okay, school program. You've got a school program. Tell me about that. Yes, it's called My American Promise Tour, and I speak about, I've realized I have so many great stories from the people that I met. I met a World War II veteran who stormed Normandy on D-Day and gave me one of the most profound yet simple definitions of what patriotism is. And um, I share that in elementary schools, and I also speak about the important ingredient. I like to say it's something you have to do, you map, M-A-P, which is called Make a Promise, and uh, I talk about the hard time I had getting through all 50 states. I didn't have a corporate sponsor. I, I had no idea how this was going to happen. I just felt in my heart it was something I had to do. And it really took a lot of faith. And it took a lot of you know integrity to say, uh, I said I'm going to do this and I'm going to complete it. So I talked to uh, corporations as well as uh, older students about all that, which is a lot of fun. It's really fun to see the responses as well. If they want information about that, where do they go? They go to nationalanthemgirl.org, and they could. Uh, there's a tab that says Map Tour, and they could click on that and see all the information. Um, and obviously, there's the contact page where you could always get in touch with us uh, through that. There's phone number and email as well, and of course on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing is is that you know I always talk to people about you know the importance of identifying your platform and using your platform to change people's lives and. Um, you know, when I talk to athletes and coaches and entertainers, you know, one of the things that I find out, especially those who understand country, understand faith in God, understand family, um, they know that their talents and abilities have been given by God, and, and, and yes, they make a living through that. Um, but more importantly, they're able to uh, help others to be successful and to impact other people's lives with great meaning. And about one minute left, talk to me about that. Well, I really feel that, you know, it is a gift from God, what I do, and I always acknowledge that, and I'm always sensitive to that. And more important than anything, I always learned, if you don't have a cause, you know, if you're doing something just to seek fame, I, I always realize that, you know, any kind of recognition is a byproduct. Really what it is is your gift that God gave you is a vehicle to help people. 
And I always remember back when I was a kid, even in elementary school, like hearing somebody come and speak. There was a guy that came. He was a, a speaker in my chapel service, and he said, make a promise to do exploits. I didn't even know what that word meant. But that one word, I really feel, is what set me on a journey to say, I'm going to make the right choices. I'm not going to go hang out with the wrong people. I'm not going to get caught up in drugs or alcohol or dating a bunch of guys that I shouldn't be. I was really focused on that. Hang in there, Janine. We'll be right back. That's important. Okay. You're listening to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III, celebrating high-impact women in sports. In this segment, Roman talks with SEC college football reporter Rachel Baraboo. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports, or follow Roman on Twitter at SoldOut41. Back on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio, Faith, Family, and Sports, one hour every Saturday night at 8.06 Eastern, 7.06 Central. Go to our website at Faith Sports Programming Network at fspn.net. With us coming in, we love to have women that are power players in the world of sports, and this young lady is certainly that. Uh, Joining us from Sirius XM College Sports Nation host, uh, storyteller, somebody who... uh, well, you follow her on Twitter, Rachel Joy Barbo, and you will find uh, Isaiah 4031 uh, mount up like wings of the eagles. And uh, she is a former Auburn graduate with us. Rachel Barbo, sportscaster. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm fabulous. Blessed. Um, what a great opportunity to have you come in. And, of course, I follow you on Twitter. That's kind of how you and I got to know each other a little bit. But uh, it's awesome to uh, – not too, not too far down the road from Boone, North Carolina, in Nashville. I was just there a few weeks ago, uh, but a beautiful place to, to live and, and uh, work, right? It is. Um, and I moved here a year ago on literally on a wing and a prayer. Um, I had lost my father unexpectedly in 2014. And um, when he, and I was his only child, and when he passed away, he was uh, 50 days uh, retired, 40 days retired, I should say. And he had a manila folder of the places that he was looking to move and the houses he was looking to buy and the next life that he was he was going to move into. And so when he passed away, I was, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't permanently in Atlanta. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to pray on this. And I prayed for about six months and I prayed for signs and I prayed for direction. And uh, there was a couple of other places I was looking at, but... Uh, after praying very hard, I decided, uh, God gave me the sign that Nashville was the place in March of 2015. And in June of 2015, I was a homeowner, uh, my very first home. So I say it's, uh, it's like my, my home and my dad's home. I have all his things here. Um, I feel him here, his, his spirit, and I know he's in heaven with the Lord. And so, um, yeah, that's the story behind being here really was it wasn't for a job or a man, it was uh, through prayer and careful consideration, and, and now I'm here, and I put down roots, and I really, really love it here. I'm incredibly happy here. Rachel Joy Barbo with us, uh, Sirius XM College Sports Nation host, and um, uh, they call you the SEC-ologist, and of course, if you went to Auburn, you love college football. So tell me about the love of college football and how you got into College Sports Nation and getting into broadcasting. Yeah, you know... Um, Wow. Uh, you know, for me, I, I'd grown it watching, I'd, I'd watched it growing up. Uh, my grandmother had the Falcons on, or she had Auburn on, or, or she had, you know, other sports on. Um, 
the Braves, to be exact, on that big TV, you know, encased in wood, sat on the floor. I'm sure we all remember those. Um, and then as, you know, as I grew and got older, I had two brothers that played everything from baseball, basketball, archery, tennis, BMX, bike racing, football. I mean, they were everywhere. My mom was a saint to get them everywhere. And um, so I grew up around it. But I, I think one of the first salient moments for me of loving it was my stepdad was an Alabama fan, and he would stop the VHS tape and kind of rewind it and, and explain to me um, what, you know, what a three-step drop was, what a five-step drop was, you know, what a defensive intention was, you know, a single high safety, those things. And, and so it, um, it really opened up my eyes in a way to the game that I did not previously know. And, and then when I was in college, um, I was going to be a general assignment reporter and, and worked for the campus TV station and got a, a assignment to go out and cover a, a football game that happened to be the Auburn-Syracuse game. And it went into, like, triple overtime. We were there at, like, 1.30 in the morning, and it was my first taste down the sidelines. And I just I went, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is it. Um, and I think for me, uh, beyond that, um, it is just such a beautiful game. In so many ways, you know, the game is a maker of men. If you if you allow it, we have so many good, godly men that are that are, you know, yes, they they care about winning, but they also care about molding these young men and making them good fathers, good husbands, good citizens, good sons, good brothers. And you know, have been so fortunate, so fortunate. And I I live my life in such a way that I pinch myself on a daily basis. But I've been so fortunate to be around. Um, amazing men like Bobby Bowden is a, is a friend of mine and, and Frank Beamer. And, um, I, I know about who Nick Saban is behind all of the, you know, the facade and the, the toughness and so many men like that that are, that are real, um, makers of men. Just did an interview yesterday with Coach Pat Dye and, um, just the lessons that they impart to their, their players, the game itself, what it teaches young men. Um, and what it can teach you life lessons, people that just love it. And I often joke, I say, you know, if football were a man, I would have married him a long time ago. I, I do <laughs> love it. it. It doesn't define who I am, but I definitely have a love affair with the sport and more importantly, the people in it. And I, I you know, that for me is I, I go to games, I cover them, but I am so fortunate that I get to tell the story behind the story. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Rachel Barbo with a Sirius XM College Sports Nation host and um, also a Heisman voter. Um, tell me tell me about that. That's a, kind of a cool thing to be uh, uh, have a vote as, uh, for the Heisman. And um, we, we have a front-runner already. What front-runners sometimes don't do very well, but this young man, Greg Ward from uh, University of Houston, is a heck of a player, the quarterback from Louisville. Yep. Um, so so uh, the, what, a, what a job he did against Florida State the other day. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'll you'll hear a common theme in some of my stories, and it's my daddy. Um, but I was uh, I have his recliner, and something that he loved in life a lot. And um, I sit in it, and uh, and it's not a coincidence. But when I write for Gridiron Now and write some of these stories that are really life changing, people open up to me about stories they've never told anyone else. Um, oftentimes, the best place I write is right in my recliner, in my father's recliner, and so. Uh, last year, I was sitting in the recliner checking email, and uh, opened up an email, and and it said, you know, I'm going to cry now. It said, Congratulations, Rachel Barbo, you're now a Heisman voter, and I had to reread it like four times, and um, I bawled like a baby. I mean, I just cried happy tears, and you know, I thought about my dad and my grandmother, who's also in heaven, but 
I just thought about all the women that had come before me and that will come after me, and what a prestigious, prestigious honor. Um, only 870 people on this planet vote for them for this this award, and I'm one of them. And I just think that I had all I thought about all I had been through and and everything that I had done and sacrificed to be where I am today, and and the places I will go with God by my side and leading me and driving the car that is my life. And uh, it, you know, I gave glory to God, but it is just really an amazing honor. And yes, Lamar Jackson, Greg Ward, but particularly Lamar Jackson. Uh, has got the entire country captivated. Uh, you know, I, I saw a tweet by Michael Vick that said, don't get it twisted, Michael, uh, excuse me, don't get it twisted, Lamar Jackson is five times the player I was at Virginia Tech. And when Michael Vick, who is a special, special athlete himself, um, when he says something like that about you, that's high, high praise. Rachel Barbeau with us from Sirius XM College Sports Nation. And, um, you know, one of the responsibilities of all of us for Christians is just taking care of our bodies, mind, and soul. Yeah. And um, you, you're taking the body to a different level. You climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, you need to tell me how that came about and why in the <laughs> world you were doing that. Yeah, I, you know, some people actually climb that thing for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're nuts. Um, that is not something I would ever do for fun. My idea of fun is going fly fishing in a, in a clack, uh, clack, clack craft, uh, boat, uh, down in Jackson Hole and floating the snake or being down at, in 30A or down in the Dominican Republic with my family. That's my idea of fun. Climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, not my idea of fun. Um, but I met a, a gentleman named Kevin Turner, uh, back about, I guess it was about six or seven years ago and he walked into my radio studio to do a segment called Pay It Forward Friday, a segment that I created because I was finding so much negativity in sports, and I love sports, and sports is a deterrent for me, it's a release for me, it's a, you know, I don't have to worry about the negativity that's on the news, you know, and so what was happening around that time, I think, was that the Penn State stuff was breaking, and in college football was, uh, there was a lot of negative news, and so I said, let's create this segment called Pay It Forward Friday or people in the sports world that do more with their life, that we can highlight them and we can uh, we can celebrate them. We'll do it on a Friday as people are driving home. And uh, I think it'll be, you know, people will have their kids in the car and they'll want to listen. And so he was my, uh, my guest, and uh, he was a former fullback at Alabama, also with the Patriots and the Eagles. And he got the nickname the Anvil, the Immovable Force. Um, and through all that, um, all the awards, all the accolades, uh, he uh, was diagnosed with ALS, and we believe now, the research tells us, that repeated blows to the head um, are, are, in, are, are, to call, are a cause for that. And so he walked in, and he just inspired me to no end, and uh, I, I decided when he walked out that I was going to fight for him. And, and the long and short of it is I planned another event in Atlanta. It went okay, um, but I'm not just an okay girl. <laughs> I don't do things just okay. And so I was sleeping one night and woke up on the couch and was watching a documentary I call uh, these people going up Kilimanjaro, and I thought, they look miserable. That looks like Mars. It's not even pretty. I mean, why would you do that? And turns out um, uh, I called the head of the foundation the next day and said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, um, but what if we climbed Kilimanjaro for Kevin? Um, and she said, you are, my, you are crazy, but you're my kind of crazy. And so that next spring we went, nine of us, 
And we raised uh, over $80,000 for ALS Research and the Kevin Turner Foundation at 501c3. And it got turned into a movie that was narrated by the Mike Ditka. And if you had told a young Rachel Barbeau, um, who was really almost a prodigal uh, daughter, uh, you know, lost my way and, and gotten away from God in my 20s, if you had told me that that would one day I would climb a mountain for somebody, not only a mountain, the world's tallest freestanding mountain, and that they would make a movie about it and it would be narrated by Mike Ditka, I'd tell you to get out of town. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Just awesome. Rachel Barbo with us here on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III on AFR Talk. Podcasts of this program are available at AFR.net. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week for Sold Out Sports Talk.